No kids here this morning, so we're going to dispense with the children's sermon. Um, But, there is something in that children's sermon that I wanted you to listen to, because I realized that when we do the children's sermon, most of you probably get something out of that, if not more out of that than the other sermon. And that's the sense of what it's easy for you to do. What is it easy for you to do? Is there anything that's easy for you to do that is hard for somebody else to do? Is there anything that you can do that you feel that nobody else can do? Can you draw real well? Can you dance? Can you play an instrument like Mr. Brink here? Is there something that you can do that other people can't? And if there is, and there probably is, even if you haven't found it yet, why do you think you have that? And how could that ability remind you of Jesus, who came to do something that you couldn't? Now we begin with the rest of the sermon. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Three and One who came to this world so that He could do what we could not. And make our lives uneasy things. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ. In 2005, the office supply store Staples dispensed with its old logo and even its old motto for how it was going to be advertising who they were to the world. I mean, they had to bring a little bit of separation between themselves and that other place, you know, that depot. And so they wanted to kind of show how they were a little bit different and and why you should go to Staples rather than that depot place. And so, instead of their old slogan, which was, you want it, we've got it, they came out with something new. A new slogan that they still use today. Anybody know what it is? That was easy. Yeah. That was easy, and along with that slogan, they started an advertising campaign that began to put into our minds this idea that if we went to Staples, all of our office woes would suddenly become very easy. And on top of that, they did one of the most confusing things that I have ever seen a store do. They started manufacturing a toy that you could buy and put in your office. This toy was the easy button. And you can still buy the easy button today for the low, low price of $5.99 at your local Staples store. And in fact, we were at Staples just uh, a little while ago, and uh, I asked if people actually use these things, if they actually buy them. And the guy behind the counter said, well, yeah. And I I started thinking to myself, you know, I, I don't have an easy button, but I can't imagine that it actually makes anything easier. 
And so I googled it up and I found out what the easy button did because I didn't want to spend six bucks on a toy that I would never ever use again. And I found out what the easy button does do. The easy button, well, it, it, it kind of placates your ego. When you hit the easy button, this voice, this manly, gruff voice, speaks out of your easy button and says, That was easy. <laughs> And I thought to myself, what a ridiculous piece of junk. I don't want to use the easy button after I've done the thing and have this easy button tell me, well, that was easy. Good job, slacker. I want a button that will actually make things easier. I want a button that will put together my PowerPoint presentation. I want a button that will write my sermon for me. I want a button that will do all sorts of things that will just make my life so much easier. And wouldn't you like that too? I mean, think about those tasks that you really hate doing in your life, and maybe at your work or maybe at your school. Would you like to have an easy button that would maybe write a paper for you? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and a good paper at that. Yeah, that, that'd be nice. Well, you see, there's amazing things that we do, amazing lengths that we go to in order to make our lives easier. In fact, it's even kind of funny because a lot of times we will work so, so hard on trying to make our lives easier. And that's exactly what these tenants are doing in Jesus' parable. We're uh, in the second week of this sort of mini-series called, Will You Go? And uh, what we're discussing in this mini-series within the season of Pentecost is that question that God asked us. That once we have been forgiven, once we've experienced His grace, that we are then sent on a mission, and that is actually a part of His plan. And so he comes to us and he says, will you go? And that's not always something easy for us to say yes to. In fact, when we look at some of those things, we say, well, I would go if there were an easy option. But that looks really tough. And I'm not really sure that I'm down with that. I mean, could it look much tougher than this parable that Jesus is telling to the Pharisees? This is actually the second parable. We went over the first one last week. That parable where Jesus says there's two sons and one said, yeah, I'll do it and didn't do it. And the other son said, no, I won't do it, but actually went and did it. This is the follow-up parable to that. And Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious leaders of the day, the people that have the authority to say that I have been sent by God to do certain things. And this is the parable that he's saying. He said there's a vineyard owner who 
put together a vineyard. He, he put up a watchtower. He, he made everything perfect so that it would produce grapes. Good grapes, not the wild grapes that we hear about in Isaiah, even though he's echoing that from that reading. And he leased it out to some tenants. He said, y'all go ahead and produce some grapes here. And when I come back, I'm, I'm going to expect some of the produce back in return. Because that's what you would have done as a landowner. You wouldn't have charged rent, but you would have rather said, when rent time comes around, I want some grapes. And they better not be wild. They better be good grapes. And so, great time comes around, and he sends his servants, his slaves, to go and pick up the grapes. And the tenants are evil tenants. And the tenants kill the slaves. I don't want to sign up for that. Do you? I mean, the one of them gets killed. The one of them gets stoned. We don't know if that means stoned and killed or just stoned and left there in a bloody mess. The other one gets beat. And he might have been beaten to death too. We certainly don't hear about him afterwards. I mean, would you sign up for that? If God is saying, are you going to go into my vineyard, pick up my grapes for me? He might get killed. You might kind of shy away from that. You might say, God, I'd really like an easy button option here. But God calls some of us to go and work in his vineyard. In fact, if you're a Christian with us today, he's calling you to work in his vineyard. And there's good news, don't worry. But there's also tough news. That there are people out there that would just as soon kill you than inconvenience their own lives. Because you see, that that's what's going on with the tenants. The tenants want to make their lives easier. And we find that out after they've killed two bunches of slaves. And God sends his son. The owner sends his son into the vineyard, saying, surely, surely they, they will not reject my son. He's my son. They've got to know. Surely they won't reject him. Surely they won't kill him. Surely they won't stone him. Surely they won't beat him. Yeah, they do. And why? Hey, look, there's the heir. You know, if we kill him, our lives are going to be a lot easier. First of all, if we kill him, that will probably stop the rest of the slaves and we won't have to spend as much time killing people. But then we'll also inherit this land. And it will be ours. And then life will be easy. What have you done in your life to make your life easier? Sometimes the things that we do to make our lives easier actually end up being evil things. Sometimes we try to choose the easy option because we just don't want to do the work of doing the good option. How many of us have let a relationship fall through the cracks just because we didn't want to work on it? How many of us have left a class, give us a C or a D, 
Because we just didn't feel like working on it. How many of us have failed just because we don't want to work? Because we'd rather life be easy. When we act like that, we're acting like these tenants. And so Jesus got this across to those scribes and those Pharisees. And he got this idea across to them that life is not necessarily just about the easy option and that sometimes the easy option is actually going to lead you into sin. But then he gives them this question to kind of see where they're at. And he says, well, what do you think the owner is going to do to, um, to those tenants? And the reply that comes back is actually one that I think if we were going to put a movie camera to the Gospel of Matthew, uh, I can only imagine what Jesus' face must have been like. It must have been just complete and utter amazement is what I'm thinking. He must have had his jaw dropped open. He must have been looking at them with unbelieving eyes. Because what they're saying is that this owner... Well, he's going he's gonna to come and he's just going to clean house, man. He's going to kick all of those dirty tenants out of the vineyard. He's going to kill them all. And then give what they had to people that deserve it. And Jesus knowing that they're going to take him outside of the vineyard of Jerusalem and put him up on a cross like this one and kill him just as he was alluding to in that parable. He just has to be utterly amazed. Really? Really, you understand that the just and right option here is that my father is after you kill me, after you put me on the cross, after you let the Romans have their way with me. That you know that the just option is that my father should come back and just decimate you. You get that and you're still going to do it? Really? But Jesus never actually says that that's the right answer. I think sometimes we think that he does. Because the quote marks get confusing. Jesus doesn't say that. What Jesus says is that the stone that the builders rejected is going to become the capstone. And that capstone is what is going to matter. That capstone is Jesus. That stone that was rejected is Him. And we are to build our lives upon Him. This one who was rejected, this one who didn't go through an easy life, but went through a horrifically painful life. Even before he went to the cross, going out into the world and being misunderstood, going out into the world and having people deny him, going out into the world and having his own people 
want to try to kill him, but they won't do it because other people think that he's a prophet and they're just cowards. Can you imagine how infinitely difficult it must have been to be Jesus Christ? Even before the crucifixion and then after that, be brought to a place where your own people... For most of us, the United States of America disavowed that you were a citizen and let some other government punish you, beat you with sticks and whips, tie you to a cross and put nails through your hands and your feet, finally a spear through your side. He's our cornerstone. He's what we're built upon. That suffering servant that the prophet Isaiah will talk about many chapters later from when he's talking about wild grapes. That suffering servant is who we are built upon today. And following him, I hate to tell you, it isn't easy. It's going to mean that you at least have to acknowledge that you're a sinful human being. It means that you're at least going to have to acknowledge that you can't get this all together by yourself. It's going to mean that if you're really following Jesus, that you're following what He's saying, and that what He's saying is that you have to give up your life. And that's not easy. But it's good. It's so good. And it's so true. It's so real. And it will bring you so much joy if you do it, but you'll never understand that joy unless you do it, unless you give up that life. Unless you build your life on not your own cornerstone, but on Him as your cornerstone. You'll see how true He is. You see, if you build your own life on yourself as your cornerstone, you might as well go out and buy an easy button. Because all you're going to be doing if you are your own cornerstone is you're going to be hitting your own button and saying, Wow, that was easy. That was easy. That was easy. Until it gets really hard. And then no matter how many times you hit that button, no matter how many times you really want it to be easy, it's not going to be. But if you build your life on Him, and understand that He is there for you, that He took that which you couldn't do, that which would never be easy for you and wasn't easy for Him. In fact, was impossible for you and was difficult for Him. He has taken that upon Himself so that you can live not an easy life, but a life that is filled with truth, beauty, and meaning which is better than any 
easy life out there. Thanks be to God.